God, thank you for the gift of baptism, for reminding us who you are and who we are. We ask now that, Spirit, you would pour yourself upon us, overwhelm us with your presence. Father, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Christ our only concern. Amen. We want you to wander with us through some words, some good words from the book of Exodus, Uh, some from chapter 19, most from chapter 20. They go like this. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you... Obey my voice and listen to my command. You shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be my priestly kingdom, my holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all of these words that the Lord commanded him. Then... God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the iniquity of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commands. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day. And keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or your female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in it, but on the seventh day he rested. Therefore God blessed the seventh day, the Sabbath day, and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you heard that before? (laughs) I heard Dick. (laughs) I know Dick has. Have you heard it so many times that you went into autopilot listening to it? Or maybe it was totally new for you. It doesn't matter where you come from today with these words. What you need to know 
is that there's a promise in them. And it's a promise that leads to freedom. So let's notice the promise first. Do you remember where we were last week? A calling through the waters, a walking through the sea, the Red Sea, out of Egypt, out of slavery. You can't go back, Pastor John kept saying. But we weren't even halfway through that story and God's people want to go back. They're nervous. God's people are anxious. They want to return to the comfort of their pain. Crazy how that happens. Wonder what that's like. You don't do that. And before we get here to this mountain with Moses and with God, there's three more months that pass by in the story. Three months for Israel to anguish about the food, to despair over the water. They're wandering in a desert, a place that's not of their own choosing. And the pattern falls into place. God pours out blessing. It's not good enough. God pours out more blessing. It's not good enough. More blessing, still not good enough. Wonder what that's like. You don't do that. And how does God respond? God says, you shall be my treasured possession. What? You shall be my treasured possession. That's in verse 5, but just in case we missed it the first time, it's reiterated in verse 6. The whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. So I was going to tell you about this thing that my dad says, but he's here. I saw him. (laughs) I'm going to have him tell you. Can you come here? You're really close. (laughs) He's nervous. So there's this thing that my dad says to... (laughs) He's really nervous, I can tell. (laughs) What do I say? (laughs) Uh, There's this thing that my dad says to my brothers and me uh, when when he does something kind for us. So I I call him to fix my TV antenna because I have a TV antenna. Um, Or he pays for our dinner. The type of things that he's going to be doing as long as he's a dad. Uh, And when we thank him, there's this phrase he often responds with. What is it? It's what I do. (laughs) There's a a better voice that you have. (laughs) Um... It's what I do. Oh, I don't know. I'm not getting it. It's what I do. It's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just what I do. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks very much, Dad. It's just what you do for me. Thank you. <laughs> and this, God claiming a people who consistently turn away, repeatedly question. God's still claiming them as his own. It's just what he does, truly. And so before we go any further, will you let me say this because I have no idea where you find yourself in your journey of faith and life when you wandered in here with us today. Are you confident? Are you curious? 
Are you desperate, hopeful, just sad? No matter where you are, this word is for you. This is still just what God does for you. So if you feel like you've screwed it all up too many times for God to possibly love you, possibly forgive you, if you've ever thought to yourself, here I go again, you are my treasured possession. If you wonder if any of this stuff that we talk about in church is even possibly close to being true or real, or maybe we're actually all just on some spinning ball that's spinning out of control in the sky, some planet. If that's you, you are my treasured possession. If you want your life to matter, if you want what you have to offer to be noticed, if you have a fear of being forgotten, you are my treasured possession. You're included. God wants you to be a part of his covenant of his family, of his own, you are his treasured possession. That's the promise. Now eventually, if we want to get to the freedom that comes by way of the promise, we have to crack open the door into Exodus 20. You know the rest of the text from today, the rules. The rules can be a touchy subject. Uh, Some of us might have baggage with the rules. I don't think I'm totally out of touch with this one, actually. I was talking to Pastor Chris uh, about this a couple weeks ago. He had asked what I would be preaching on on this, the day of his grandchild's baptism, and I told him this, the Ten Commandments. He gave me a look, (laughs) and he said, make it good. (laughs) Noted. God says to his people, you are my treasured possession, and if you are mine, then life with me is going to look a particular and unique way, and life with each other is going to look a particular and unique way for the sake of yourselves and for the sake of the world. There's no other option. God says, do this, do it. Which, of course, you've heard what the it is. You've heard what the it's are, and you can't do it. You can't keep it. You can't live up to it, which is where I think the rules start to get their bad rep because suddenly there's guilt when you mess up. There's shame when you do it again. There's faith that turns into some sort of checklist, which turns out isn't actually at all the good news of the gospel. Actually, John Calvin, you know that name? He affirms that idea when he says this, the law was not a stranger to Christ. Everything that's given to Moses, that's laid out in the law, in the rules, Israel, he said, could not attain without a greater and more excellent atonement than the blood of beasts. It's Jesus. And later he adds the fullness of grace, of which the Jews had a foretaste under the law, is exhibited in Christ. So the difference between Israel then and us now is that between then and now, God saw it. He watched it play out. He experienced the failing time and time again. And so he himself said, I'm coming. I'll do it. I'll fulfill everything you 
cannot, will not, and will not ever be able to do. You can't live up to the law, and so I'll do it for you. There's no other way. Jesus. And so God became human. He took on the ultimate sacrifice, the greater one, the one more excellent than the blood of beasts, as Calvin said. So actually, it's not about us now trying to keep our place, keep your place as God's treasured possession because Jesus. It's as simple as that. So what do we do with this list of rules from Exodus chapter 20? I said earlier that the promise God gives, you are my treasured possession, leads to freedom. So do we get to throw these commandments out the window because they no longer matter? Is that the freedom? Craig Barnes, who is the, Princeton, the president of Princeton Theological Seminary, seems to disagree with their complete dismissal. He said, the commandments teach us how to keep our freedom. We have a God who liberates us and who will not tolerate us slinking back into slavery. That's the God's people have always liked to return to the comfort of their own pain thing again. But God didn't then and doesn't now take us out of whatever bondage or slavery we're in, doesn't deliver us from our sins through Christ just to leave us there. No. It's about freedom. It's about flourishing. God is making all things new and wants that for you in both his relationship with you and in your relationships with people for the sake of the world. So, Practically speaking, if we're living in the freedom of the promise, in light of these commandments, our life with God is going to be touched by it. Let's look a little closer. In chapter 20, verse 2, if you have your Bibles out, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, that sounds a little demanding. (laughs) I mean, as long as he's first, as long as he's on the top of the priority list. That's good enough, right? Well, not exactly. God maybe seems to know that even after he claims us as his own, we're going to be distracted. We're going to be called away from him. We're going to end up spiraling in any one of our own versions of God by way of appearance, by way of grades, by way of success, by way of pleasure. You shall have no other gods before me, and he means it. Someone just told me the other day, it feels like I'm spinning, as she talked about balancing her work, her family, her house, her role in ministry, and her incessant striving for perfection in every single one of those areas. Do you relate at all to that? When Christ sacrificed his life, he took away the divide between God and people and fulfilled the law. He made the law so much more accessible for a people he knew would continue to be distracted. God, through the power of his spirit, doesn't live in a temple behind a curtain anymore. He lives in you. So stop striving and achieving for whatever you think it is that will bring you happiness or peace. You won't find freedom 
or peace or true flourishing until you have no other gods before me. And in verse 8, you may know this one well depending on your upbringing. One of the reasons we're all here today. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Not because he doesn't want you to have fun or ride your bike or hang out with friends, which for sure is what I thought it was about for a long time, but because he knows us. He knows that we'll push ourselves, we'll keep going, 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 because there's always more, more, more to be done. He knows that he needs to help us establish healthy rhythms, healthy patterns for ourselves, because if we don't have them, which we probably won't create them on our own, we'll end up coping. We'll end up removed, addicted to substance or our phones or Netflix. God wants rest for us, real rest that brings us closer to him. Again, stop the spinning. Remember the Sabbath. I heard a story from someone one time about a teacher that was so frustrated by the amount of work that he had to do. Sabbath? What's that? Papers needed grading. Lessons needed planning. He needed to be responsible for the purpose of his job. And while taking a day of rest sounded great and something he'd like to do someday, when work slowed down, when he was more on top of his job, it just wasn't possible for this stage of his life. He was convicted one day in talking to one of his co-workers who did have an established Sabbath routine. The co-worker challenged him to try it too, just for a few weeks to see how it would go. He took the challenge. He settled into a new rhythm, and as he did, he noticed everything was getting done, <laughs> and he was less burned out by doing it. I don't know how it would go for you, but I do believe your life would be changed for the better, whether it's a day every week or an afternoon every week or an hour every day. Remember the Sabbath. It's God's promise that gives way to freedom. So if we're living in the freedom of God's promise, our life with God will be affected by it and our life with other people will also be touched by it. Let's look a little more closely at one command that could arguably be the lowest hanging fruit out of them all. Verse 12, you shall not murder. <laughs> okay, well, this one also happens to be one of the few that Jesus mentions later in his life on earth about the time that he's talking about fulfilling the law. And he actually widens this one to include anger. That's a little more real. You know that feeling inside when you just want to react? You just want to throw something back at the family member during the spat. You just want to pounce on someone's terrible political logic. Lay on the horn at the car that wronged you so deeply by making a move that slightly impinged on the level of speed you had chosen. You know that twisting, turning feeling that starts to get going and, and it feels like a snowball. The more you feel it, the faster it goes. The bitterness, the resentment. Freedom from all that. Maybe it's more than just the direct order. 
you shall not murder, that these commandments are trying to get at. Verse 15 is another one. You shall not steal. I'm going to take some liberties now with the whole Christ coming to fulfill the law thing and wonder, again, if it might not just be the direct order that we should listen to here, the direct order that says don't take the thing that doesn't belong to you, but also an invitation to something else. Maybe it's opposite, to generosity, to holding loosely to the things that we want to clutch tight and snarl mine. There's freedom in paying attention to words like you shall not murder and you shall not steal. And not just for the purposes of staying away from the U.S. justice system. God seems to know that our life will be more enjoyable with one another when we're not constantly on edge about who's going to take my stuff. (laughs) And maybe even when we give out of the abundance that we do have. God might know that life is better when we are pro-life in all the ways, when we seek the flourishing of life in all the ways instead of its destruction in any way. I know you're smart enough to keep it going, and so I I want you to. (laughs) You shall not commit adultery. You shall not covet. All of these bring ultimate freedom in unique ways to yourself, to your relationships with one another, your family member, your spouse, your friend, your coworker, your neighbor, your community member. So God promises you are my treasured possession, And through Christ gives us the freedom to live into this kind of life with some practical help along the way. Maybe even through words that include things like honor your father and mother. We're Pillar Church. We want to be for the city, we say. So too, please remember these commands aren't just to bring us freedom so we can be happy and healthy and whole, although they serve a great purpose for that too. We need to, we get to share this wealth with the world, whether they're ready for it or not, because our world is one that says, if you want it, take it. (laughs) If you're wronged, snap back. Any allegiance higher than yourself and you're doing it wrong. So keep thinking about it. Some of you meet on Sunday nights Uh, with uh, your city group or maybe sometime during the week. Some of these groups go through discussion questions that we provide on our website that come from the sermon each week uh, to help grow us all in faith together. So whether you do this with your group or with your family at dinner or maybe just with yourself for some personal reflection later, I want you to find these questions. Today they're already on the website. And you'll be invited one thing you'll be invited to do is to think critically about each of these commandments. They each hold freedom in Christ in different and unique ways. Someone once said, if you've been delivered from some sort of bondage yourself, you'll experience these as a gracious gift. If you've never been delivered from bondage, these laws will look like they're restricting your freedom. You've been delivered These aren't just the rules because you can't have fun or because they were given to a group of people three or four thousand years ago and let's be honest, they really don't make much sense for us anymore. 
No. Keep your freedom. The promise that God gives us as his treasured possession is carried on in the freedom that these rules have to offer. And it's freedom, too, that's cemented for us in Christ's own life and death and resurrection. It's the reason that we come uh, to Jesus here, the living word, every week after hearing the word written, the word spoken. So I'd like to invite you, as we prepare to come here, to pray with me. We give you thanks, Almighty God, for meeting us here by your word, at your table. You've graciously preserved us by your providence, and in love you sent Jesus to us and for the salvation of the world. Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. And so we offer our lives to you as living sacrifices. Use us for your purposes. And send your spirit too, that this bread and cup may be to us the body and blood of Christ. Grow us up fully in him, quickly bringing us to the day where your whole church is finally gathered around your table. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus. Amen.